All right, as we start our message this morning, uh, let, me, let me start by asking you a question. What if God used us and other like-minded churches to truly start reaching this city for Christ over the next 10 years? Okay, what if instead of 15% of people going to church on an average Sunday in Blaine, okay, what if that number grew to, say, 50%, half the city over 10 years? What would that mean? Well, that would mean that an additional 22,000 people would have to come to Christ in 10 years. I mean, that would be like a revival, basically, right? So let me ask you, if God did that, how would it happen? Like, if you had to script it out, what do you think would need to happen? How would you write it? I want you to be thinking about that question this morning as we talk. You know, for me, I, I just came out of this season, I would say probably from December to maybe early February, that for me was probably the most challenging season of my ministry. I've been a pastor for... 15 years now, and I'm not sure that I've had a season uh, quite like this one. Um, It's not that things aren't looking up for our church, right? Like, we are now technically less than one year away from breaking ground on our building, right? That's amazing. Uh, We continue to grow quickly. We're planting churches fast. Our our fifth church is on the way shortly. Uh, People are getting saved. And yet, with spiritual progress, often comes challenges. And in that December to early February season, I had to walk with and beside and through some pretty ugly stuff with a number of our people in this church. And I'm just not sure as a pastor that I've had another time in my life where I felt so unable to fix so many situations. I'm not sure that I've had another time where I just so deeply realized how absolutely dependent I need to be on God. And for that season, I'm grateful. Sometimes you have to face great difficulty before you truly deeply realize how little you can accomplish on your own. And so I've spent a lot more time on my knees than I have in a long time. And I'm, I'm seeing God move greatly. And during this period in my life, through what God is doing, through the conversations that I'm having with some of our leaders, through books that I've been reading, through just a long set of circumstances, the Holy Spirit has just begun to convict me that Renovation Church is really missing one of the key ingredients to effective ministry. And that is a culture of prayer. And it's not just us. I mean, my guess is that 95% of American churches are are missing this too. This may not be true of churches around the world, but it certainly is of us in modern-day America. See, a few generations ago, Bible-believing churches gathered together, and they were founded in prayer. They were rooted in prayer. They gathered for prayer. And now in America, we mostly give prayer lip service. I would say over the last 20 years, our American churches have traded a foundation of prayer for a foundation of organization. Many of our American churches are exceptionally organized. Like we have great strategies. Our our books 
our, our, our conferences, our podcasts are almost exclusively about how we can improve our strategies and modernize our methods. And if I were completely honest, I would say at Renovation Church, I'm not sure that we're that different. This is an exceptionally organized, well-run church. And sure, that's great, right? I love that people can come here. It's not a mess. Okay, there are plenty of systems that make it run. But where's the power in that? Like, are we going to organize people into the kingdom of God? We're told over and over again in the Bible that it's God that raises people from the dead. It's not our strategies. It's not our well-run services. It's not our organization. See, my fear for the American church is that if we just keep copying each other, because that's kind of what happens nowadays. Oh, do you see what this church is doing down the street? Or do you see this on Facebook? What if we, if the American church continues to just mimic and copy each other, eventually our copies aren't going to look anything like the original. And what was the original? Like, what are the ways that really catapulted Christianity to growth in the first place, in the Bible? And I want to take three weeks in this series and look at some of those things. And today we're going to start with how churches in Scripture had a culture of prayer. You cannot escape this in the book of Acts, which is the story of how the church began. Acts chapter 1. So you see that Jesus, right at the beginning of the book of Acts, he ascends back into heaven. But instead of just going out and telling people about Jesus right away, they wait. The Christians wait. They wait for his power. And they pray together, collectively, a lot. Look at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, I think almost every word of that first clause ought to make us feel uncomfortable, ought to mess with us. They all join together. Like we like to think of prayer nowadays. Oh, it's like the three ladies who come for prayer. No. They all join together for prayer. They pray. Oh, you mean like you just pray like on your own? and you re- They join together. Like they pray corporately, collectively. And how often, they, like once a year when there was a big event, they pray. How does it say? They prayed constantly. It's not something they just gave lip service to in Scripture. Right? And that's what we're trying to be like. Okay, go to the next chapter, Acts chapter 2. Church starts to really take off, and Christians are described, they're marked by the following things. Look at 242. This is a verse many of you have seen a number of times. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right, we do a decent job with this, of really looking at the word of God. To fellowship, as community, house groups, breaking of the bread, uh, maybe. And what does it say? To prayer. Like, how many times have we read this verse and missed that last word? Like, is that us? Could you say that Renovation Church is devoted to prayer? I don't think we are. Acts chapter 3. They're going to the temple to pray every day, collectively. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are arrested for talking about Jesus. And what do they do when they are arrested? They appeal to their local lawmaker and they start a political... They don't, right? They just complain about it to every... They don't. What do they do first? 
It says they go back, they praise God that they were arrested. This is a crazy chapter. And they gather all the people together and they pray. They're scared, they're hopeful, God is on the move, the devil is opposing, so they pray. Look at this, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Here's what happens after they pray. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay, we say all the time, we want to change the world, right? And, and maybe in our hearts, we're like, yeah, we do, but I'm just too afraid to do that. Like, what is it that's going to encourage us, that's going to empower us, that's going to embolden us to actually get out and change the world? We have to encounter God, because that's what's happening. They're praying together. They're seeking God, and the Holy Spirit is coming and moving, and then they move. We've got to encounter God more. Acts chapter 6, the disciples decide that they need to focus on, it says, this is verse 4, it says, prayer and the ministry of the word, right? And they can't be focused on all the organization, which, by the way, is still important. So they delegate it out. It still gets done. But the power is in the prayer. And I would even tell you that I, this isn't so much about prayer. Like prayer is merely just the action that allows you to become, that allows you to encounter God. Right? To become deeply reliant on him. That's what we need. Listen, I, I love this church. Love this church since we started this church. God is doing amazing things here right now. Like, we're not talking about this as some sort of, like, we're not saying, oh, let's do a culture shift as some sort of, like, last-ditch effort to maybe get the church growing again, right? That's not, this is not what this is. The church actually has not stopped growing in nine years. There's amazing things happening here. A lot of what we do is incredibly unique and effective, right, from our house groups to our church planting. I think, uh, this is maybe, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say this. I think I could never talk about this issue, and I think almost no one would question me as a leader because everything is just going so well. But I don't care. I think it's time to confess that we are not nearly as dependent on God as we should be. And as we see people in the scriptures and their de- daily dependence and encountering of God. If you walked into any ministry here at this church, any program, any meeting that's happening, any house group meeting, could you say these people are totally relying on God's help and his power and what they're doing right now? I'm not sure you could. There are people, certainly there are pockets, yes. As a whole, I'm not sure you could. How much time do we put in into praying for our services beforehand? Like coming together and praying that 
God is just going to rock our souls when we come. Praying that God is just going to raise the dead to life when we preach the gospel. How much time? Minutes? Seconds? Some weeks? Okay, so what are we really dependent on? How many people go back for prayer each week? With our prayer team that for the most part, never seems to have enough people. I would say maybe one out of 500. Like we can say all we want, that we believe in prayer, but I think the facts betray us. I just, I just don't think we have a culture of dependence on God, a culture of prayer. Here's a picture that keeps coming to my mind for Renovation Church. I feel like we've spent nine years building this really impressive and incredibly elaborate structure but forgot to plug it in. But we're going to plug it in. So somebody better tell the devil to watch out. I was talking to one of the spiritual leaders of our church and one of our board members, Barbara Marr, the other day, and she reminded me that anything that's ever happened of significance in this church happened because we prayed. You know, we had an amazing launch to this church nine years ago, which is not an easy thing to do in church planting. Why did it happen? Many of you don't even know this. It happened because we had this amazing prayer team outside of our church. And for six months, they prayed all the time that God would move, and he did. Okay, uh, what about our land? Some of you know the story, some of you don't. You know, in the summer of 2016, we had been looking for land unsuccessfully for two years. And I was, I'll just be straight up honest, I was so nervous (laughs) as the leader of this church. So we didn't found anything. Pledges had been coming in for the land for almost 24 months. We had nothing to show for it. You know, it's like, okay, I get it, we should be praying all the time, right? But often we just don't. Like, we don't until it's, our own things aren't working. And so I humbled myself, and we called for the very first time an all-church prayer meeting. And we held a night right here. We rented out North Point. They actually don't give us this for free, I know. We rented this out for a, a different night, and we had a prayer meeting. And we just begged God as a church, please, I, we feel like you're leading us here. Please help us find land. And so we spent roughly 104 weeks striving on our own, unsuccessfully. And from the time we had that meeting, and really started just begging for his power, for his help, in less than 10 weeks, we were in full-blown negotiations for our piece of land, which we now own, and got $600,000 less than the list price. When we attempted to raise $1.1 million dollars, for our building that's going to go up in 11 some months. That was insane, right? And so we prayed, we fasted, we went to the land, we prayed. We saw 1.3 million of pledges come in. We've seen a ton of you have come to Christ here. You've, had their, you're, you've been saved at Easter. Why? Well, because we're praying for 8,000 minutes for it. See, it's not that we don't know how to do it. I don't think it's, it's not even that, we, like, you know that it works, right? We know that it, it works. It's not that we can't do it. It's just that it hasn't saturated our culture yet. 
Like it's not yet a part of who we are. It's not in our everyday living. And so if we're going to establish a culture of prayer, if we're going to be a church that actually is really heavily dependent on God, not on our own systems, then our priorities have to begin to change. About six weeks ago, I was praying, and I I was thinking about, okay, like, what are the tools that build the kingdom of God? And I thought, okay, in Scripture, uh, even in history, like, what are the tools that really advance the gospel? It's not complicated. Usually it's prayer, 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 and prayer, and then just simple things like evangelism and discipleship. It's not fancy. Like those are the things that are the excavators, they're the bulldozers, they're the cranes that build the kingdom of God in the world. And yet so often I feel like as the American church, we put 90% of our effort and our resources into things like marketing or our new systems, our new programs for people, or our social media strategy. But see, those things are like bringing kitty construction toys, like a plastic saw and a little toy hammer to build the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want you to mishear me because I'm afraid that some of you are going to mishear me. I'm not talking about a full pendulum swing here. We're not leaving one thing for another. It's keeping that thing, but just plugging it in. There's nothing wrong with being organized. Like, we're not about to lead a a hippie church here, right? (laughs) Sorry if I offended you if you're a hippie. (laughs) Like, uh, Paul even says in Scripture that God is not a God of disorder. Like, there's nothing wrong with putting on an event where maybe 2,000 people are going to come and hear about Jesus. It would be downright wrong of us with that opportunity to not do that. Like, if you've discovered a way to tell a whole lot of people about Jesus, then you need to do that. But there is something wrong with marketing for it, organizing an event, and then not spending just as much time on our knees in prayer. Because if we're not, then what are we dependent on? We're dependent on, oh, we're we're renovation church. Like, we know how to do that. Like, we run really effective events. They're well-organized. People come in. It's really smooth. It works. Who are we dependent on? We're dependent on us. If you haven't picked up a prayer pack in the hallway yet or at your house group this week for Easter, we're asking everyone to pray for the 14 days ahead of Easter that the people you know are going to get saved. Goodness, pick one up. I mean, what else are we hoping in? Spurgeon once said this, He said, a church that does not pray is a weak church. But a church built on prayer is a powerful church. Could we say that of our church? Are we built on prayer? I would say not yet. But we will be in time. One of the things that's really interested me as a a student of, of history, particularly Christian history, is that basically every revival in history was first rooted in prayer. Uh, The revival that started in New York City in the 1850s swept much of the American nation. Started when a man named Jeremiah Lamphere started a prayer meeting in New York City. We we, we told the story in a message, our Change the World series a couple years ago. It's an amazing story. The Great Awakening, you maybe learned about this in school in the 1700s, started with prayer. The revivals of D.L. Moody started 
in prayer. Billy Graham, a lot of people don't know this, they would often send people years, like literally years in advance to the city where they were going, and those people would begin to mobilize thousands of people in prayer before the crusade ever even got there. So I want you to think about this. If every revival in history, just incredible movements of God, started in prayer, then how is it possible that almost every church in America has a strategy for just about everything imaginable except for prayer? Like you wouldn't believe the stuff. I know you don't do this for a living, but you wouldn't believe the stuff that churches nowadays have a strategy for. I can remember early on in my ministry, I was arguing with another pastor. I used to love to argue. Uh, <laughs> argue with another, arguing with another pastor about the strategy at their church. They were that week spending 100 plus man hours working on this sort of background set. So like this is, you call this a background set in their auditorium. 100 hours on it. Now, I get it, right? You're like, you can't put up a church made of straw, okay? <laughs> like, you have to, it has to be effective, and you don't want to make a garbage heap. Like, okay, make it nice. 100 plus hours. And I just remember saying, like, what could you have done with 100 hours? Like, what if you would have prayed? Like, what if we would have done evangelism? Like, why are we building the kingdom with kitty construction tools? Are we going to impress people in? It's not going to work that way. It's time for the American church to stop trying to impress the world with our fancy chandelier that we've never even plugged in. See, I, I just feel like God has put these stirrings in my soul for years now around the power source, around prayer. But I'm just not sure that I've ever had the guts or the spiritual fortitude to lead us into this until now. And so we need to become a praying church. We need to have a culture of prayer. We need to be a church that is more dependent on God than we are on ourselves. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some time Right? Change always takes time, but we need a culture of prayer. We're going to start this process next week. So here's what we're going to do. For the foreseeable future, I'm going to be in the cafeteria. Let's go out the hallway, down the hall to the right. At 9, 10, and 10, 40, every single Sunday. That's 20 minutes before each service starts. And I'll be there for 15 minutes. I'm going to lead a prayer meeting for any one of you that will come. And pray with us. And start seeking God for his power. For his power to move in this city. Anyone that wants to help plug in with me, I want you to be there. You can drop off your kids at Renovation Kids ahead of time. We're going to be ready for you. Our staff will be ready. It's not a long meeting. It has 15 minutes. That's okay. Like we, I think we need to build our prayer muscle for this. 95% of us aren't even, that's like, that feels like a long time. Right? We're going to build our prayer muscle for it. Now I'm expecting this is probably going to evolve a lot, even in the next two or three months. But this is where we're starting. And we can't just even add a prayer meeting. Right? That's, that's not enough. If we just add a, another prayer program, but we don't change the culture of prayer in this church, then this isn't going to change. We're just going to be dependent on ourselves still. And so we're going to begin this process of restructuring even our leaders' meetings and other things. 
they would be more focused on prayer and seeking God. This isn't going to happen quickly. Change, change isn't implemented quickly. It doesn't come quickly. So I just, I pray, I beg you, give us time. Give your leaders time. And I want you to know that I know your reservations about this, particularly about starting a prayer meeting. About, I would say about 70% of you in this room are thinking things like this. You're going, I don't know. Like, I get it, but I don't know. Like, I've been to some really lame <laughs> prayer meetings. What's this even going to be like? I will tell you this, not like a lame prayer meeting. <laughs> so uh, we don't have a vision to go. We're, we're not going to come together and pray through some long laundry list of prayers. We're going to come together, encounter God together, and just beg him for this church, for this city, that he would plug our church in and that he would move powerly through us. Some of you are thinking, I'm just not even really that into prayer. I don't even know to begin how to pray. I just still, I, I want you to come. See, I, I think most of us don't know how to pray. Unlike the early church in the book of Acts, in the American church, we're more used to coming to church and just watching and listening. I'm asking you to come, start doing, encountering God in a fresh way. We've got to do this together. I get it. Some of you are serving. You're like, I'm greeting next week. All right, well, then come the next week. I just want you to come as often as you can so we can begin together to change the culture of this church. Like, our call is not to mimic what everybody else in America is doing. Our call is to do what we see in the Bible. And that's what we want to do, even if this is really different. I feel like that's my call as the leader of this church, is to lead us to do what we see in Scripture, even if it's different. You know, if, you, if you've been coming here for a while, one of the things you might know about me is that I, I obsessively read a Christian biography. I just love reading about the great Christian men and women from the past. And so the last few years, I've read the biographies of Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon and D.L. Moody and Billy Graham and Amy Carmichael. And as I keep reading these books, they all have this one thing in common. I feel like such conviction reading their story, sometimes I annoyingly just want to throw the book down on the ground. Every single one of them have an unbelievable, I mean, you wouldn't even believe it. Because they don't tell you about these people. You don't see this when you, you see the big news about them. They had unbelievable dedication to prayer. And they didn't just pray, they encountered God and they asked for his power. Like many people know what Billy Graham accomplished, right? Or, or D.L. Moody. I think of others. A George Mueller, he's a fascinating person to read about. A George Mueller lived in England in the 1800s. He fed thousands of orphans at his orphanages and never asked for money once. He just prayed. And the money came in. Fascinating guy. One of my favorite biographies I've ever read is a Roger Steer's biography of Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor once said this. He said, many Christians estimate difficulty in light of their own resources. Like, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can... And thus they attempt very little, and they always fail. All giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence to be with them. You see, Hudson Taylor was one of the first missionaries to go to China. 
And he had such dependence on God that he was able to inspire through the Holy Spirit hundreds of missionaries to eventually go with him. And see, today, the millions and millions and millions of new Christians in China can thank Hudson Taylor, who was always on his knees, begging for God to do, and I will tell you, what looked like the impossible in the middle 1800s. Basically, no one in China knew Jesus Christ. Like, you think our situation is impossible? That's impossible. On his knees, begging, God, would you begin to reach China for Christ? And guess what? God is doing it. Because the power is in Christ. I asked you at the very beginning, what would it look like if God began bringing revival to our area? Like, how would we see thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ in churches like this? We're not going to organize them in. We're not going to impress them in with what we can do on a stage somewhere. If it happened, it would look exactly like it's happened always in history. God is lifted high when his people get on their knees. When the church stops pretending they can do it on their own and they beg him for his power. And when they seek him, he answers. Do you want him to answer? Do you want to see him really move in this city? Do you want this? Then we ought to plug it in. And so we're going to take this church, we're going to take this really good church, this church that God is already moving in, and we're going to supercharge it. So I want you to hold on tight, because God is going to move. Let me pray. Lord, we, we come to you in repentance, asking for forgiveness that it's taking us uh, too long to figure this out. We ask for forgiveness of our self-reliance and our systems and organization, God. We've always been a church that's believed deeply in your word. God, teach us to believe deeply in prayer. Show us how to be dependent, God. Be patient with us as we learn. And God, may we just blow, may you just blow our minds with what we can do. And God, we now we just want to worship you We just want to tell you that you are what we need, God. You are all that we need. In your name we pray. Amen.